Good morning, once again. If you got your Bibles this morning, please go with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read two verses today, verses 1 and 2 out of Philippians. Now, going over the message several times this morning and yesterday, what came to mind was was Billy Graham because he had a very specific way of preaching that was very, it was always powerful, of course, but he had a way of driving a a subject. If, If God had laid a subject on his heart, he would repeat that certain thing over and over throughout the message. And when you would get through with the message, it would be it would be driven deep into you. And I feel like this message is a lot like that. I'm I'm no ways nowhere close to being a Billy Graham by far, but but this message is a lot like he would probably preach. I wish I could speak like Billy Graham. Maybe I could pull it off. But anyway, if you get your Bibles, look in Philippians chapter two Verses 1 and 2, once you find your place, please stand for the reading of God's holy scriptures. You got your place, amen. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Let us pray. Holy Father, thank you this morning for the reading of your scriptures. God, we turn this service over to you at this time. We pray, Lord, that you would speak through these lips of clay. Let the anointing fall fresh upon my life. Lord, like the song says, I tremble. And I truly do inside every Sunday, every time that I stand before you people because I know that one day I will stand before you and I will give an account for every word that I have spoken and every deed I have done in this world. And Lord, I ask that you show me favor in the name of Christ 
And you would open the hearts of your people today. And Lord, let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word. Now, Lord, move by the power of the living God upon each and every one of us and hide your servant behind the cross. And we praise you in Christ's name and God's people. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this morning, we're, we're looking at a very, very heartfelt and a very heart-driven plea from the Apostle Paul who's longing for his joy to be made complete. In other words, the, the only way that Paul's going to have the joy in his life is that everyone would have the same love, being like-minded, being one in spirit and in purpose. And I feel that would be my heart today that each and every one of us would be on the same page with each other. It's a shame how our country is divided over a vaccine, over so many different things like race and color. Well, God's not divided, and neither his words. So we just thank God for that. But I... I read this text, and when I read it, I personally have visions in my heart of the Apostle Paul crying out to God, crying out to the church in Philippi, and I can almost see the tears streaming from his face that he's longing to see unity in the church. Hallelujah. But even beyond that, Beyond his emotions, beyond these words that we just read, I can hear something clearly in my heart from that still, small voice of the living God who is speaking to us as a body of believers this morning. And I feel that God is asking us a question this morning. We're going to have many questions throughout this message, but this question right now, I feel the Holy Spirit is asking me to ask you this morning is, what is it that you are waiting on? What is it that you're waiting on that you would move on the Word of God and the inspiration each week we stand up here and we preach the Word of God and God is giving you certain directions that we will hear the Word and we'll leave here and never make any changes in our life. We continue to do what we always have done and will do. But God's wondering... When will we change our pattern of life? Are we waiting on some great sign from heaven? Are we waiting for something else? That there, there has to be a reason why we're not moving on what God is asking us to do. I remember the story of a man named Elijah, the great prophet of God. He completely defeated the prophets of Baal. Fire had fell from heaven, consumed the altar, the sacrifice, the water, the water in the trench, and everything was consumed. And there was a great victory, and Elijah took the sword and destroyed all the prophets of Baal. But then we find him running from a single woman named Jezebel, the wife of, what was her, Ahab the king Ahab, and he's running for his life because she says she's going to basically destroy his life. And so we find Elijah at the mouth of the cave. I think the mountain was called Horeb. And we find that God speaks to Elijah and tells him to come out to the mouth of the cave, and he comes out. Fear is driving his life. And all of a sudden, a great wind came from heaven and the mountains were torn apart. And the Bible says that God wasn't in the wind. And a great earthquake broke the earth wide open. And the Bible says that God was not in the earthquake. And a great fire from heaven fell. And Elijah saw it, but God was not in the fire. But then the small, still voice of God began to speak like a whisper. And Elijah heard the words of God and he covered his face. God is saying so many times we're looking for signs 
miracles and wonders to move on the Word of God when indeed we should be trying to hear that still small voice of God speaking even today into your life. The problem with our country is that so many people are waiting on a sign, a miracle, and a wonder before they'll do anything. But I want to remind you of the words of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 12, Matthew 12 and 39, he says, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. He says, But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What is God speaking about here? He is simply saying, the sign has already been given. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, the Son of Man, the Son of God, was in the heart of the earth, deep buried into the grave. And God is saying, that's the only sign I'm going to give you. If this sign is not sufficient, for you, then you might as well give up because this is a sign I have given that I would raise my son on the third day according to scriptures. And that is a sign that we need to hear, to see today from the still small voice that God is saying that what are we waiting on? We need to move on what God is teaching us today. And that is to make God's joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. I want you to notice this morning there's an important key in our text, and it's a question. Paul says, if, if you have any, if you have any encouragement, any comfort, any love, if any. I want to just use that as our, our, our title of our lesson today. If you have any. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you have any? Because, see, it doesn't take a lot to accomplish the will of God today. It just takes a little. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 17, 17 and 20, the second part starting in B. He says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so Paul begins his list by saying that we need to examine ourselves personally, to find whether or not if we have any in our life. I go to 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail test so Paul he starts right here saying if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ and so the first question today is this are you encouraged by the things of Christ does the things that Jesus accomplished on this earth do they encourage you at all? If there's any encouragement at all in you from what Christ has already done for us, then you and I should be willing to step out in faith and move according to the Word of God. Does it move you inside to think of the greatness of you and I being part of something greater than ourselves? We are a part of something called the kingdom of God. And you and I 
are part of that. We have been chosen by the Most High God to be part of something much greater than us. And, and that should be an encouragement to you to step out and do God's will in your life. In fact, you have to understand that you have a very specific role. You were designed by the creator himself to do something for God. You think that it's an accident that me and Brian and Emily would step up here on Sunday morning and it would just happen? No. We were created, we were designed for a purpose as this. To bring worship before God's people. To bring you guys into the presence of an almighty God. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 and 10. For we, you and I, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works that God has prepared for us to do in advance. Hebrews 10 and 24, Paul said, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. I think the text goes on in verse 25, telling us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. It's our job to encourage our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters to be in the house of God on Sunday morning to hear what God is trying to speak to his people today. I don't know if you understand this, but God is still speaking today. He's not changed. He has not shut up heaven, but he is speaking on a daily basis but mainly on Sundays when he is speaking through all these preachers across America and they're standing up and they're proclaiming a message from someone much more powerful than they are. They're trying to follow the will of God. I was thinking this week about what are the things that encourages me as a man, as a man of God, what is it that encourages me that makes me to follow his will? I wrote down five things. Number one is my love for my Savior, Jesus Christ. My love for God encourages me to be up here each Sunday. Number two, my love for my family encourages me to be up here every week. Number three, my love for God's people encourages me to be up here every week to be in God's will. Number four, my personal redemption from the penalty of sin encourages me to be up here every week to be in God's will. And finally, number five, my freedom in Christ encourages me to be up here every week. I think about the chains that God has taken off my life. The change of addictions. I know each and every one of us, you may not realize, but we all have certain addictions. Things that we're addicted to. And Christ removed the chain. He removed the penalty. He did it all for us so that we could be in the freedom to walk, to talk, to be in his will. So that you and I can be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. I wonder, being your pastor, I wonder if you have the same purpose in life that I do. Because we're called to be one in spirit and purpose. What's your purpose, preacher? I have one purpose. And that is to reach the loss and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's my purpose. Last week, God gave me a little vision. It's so tiny. It's so small. It means absolutely nothing to anybody and probably everyone except to me. But it's something that he has laid heavy on my heart. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up, but maybe 
maybe you'd like to be part of this purpose or part of this vision that God has laid on my heart. I called the guys of my group and said, listen, God gave me four specific songs. He told me, I don't want you to do another single at this time. I don't want you to do an album, but I want you to do a four-song EP. And he's given us four specific songs. And, and so I'm just saying today, if you want to be part of that, then you're, you're, you're able to do that. Because you see, in order for that to take place, there, there has to be financials to go into the studio to, to record the songs. Because I can tell you, you got four guys who are, basically don't have no money to accomplish it. But do you think that God will give us a vision as a, as a Christian ministry to go and do something to proclaim the gospel through music and give us a vision to, to share the music across the world but not give us the finances to accomplish it? No, because we are one. We should be one in spirit and purpose. And if you believe that, that, that God is speaking through me and to me, then, then you should be saying, hey, I want to be part of it. I can't sing. I can't play drums, but, but I can help some way. Maybe help in the distribution, getting it out there once it's recorded. But I just bring it up because that, that's my purpose. I don't just stand up there singing and rocking out to be looking good. I'm very passionate about when I'm singing. People can see my passion. When they see passion, you know what they see? They see someone who is deeply in love with someone much greater than they are. Can I sing good? Not at all. But one thing about it, I sing from the bottom of my heart. I saw a picture of Emily looking at me in the last concert. She had a smile about this big. It's because I was already on the ground. Just I lost sight of the people. I got in my own realm of worship. She knows what it's like to get lost in the music. Almost tear up inside just thinking about it. But God's saying, do you have any comfort from his love? Is there anything about his love that brings you comfort today? I'm going to share something that sounds kind of silly, but, but it's what God laid on my heart. I was watching my, my little chihuahua we call Boo. And, and, and every night when me and Kristen finally get away from everything and we get our popcorn made and we sit on the couch, I'm reclining with my blankie. On my legs, Boo has his position. He comes and he lays every night right between my knees and calves. I don't call him. He knows where he goes. And he lays there. He licks his paws. Then he goes to sleep until snack time. Come on, amen. But the reason I bring that up is because Boo, he's comforted in my love. You have little pets at home that you, they're comforted when they're around you. Come on, amen. That they can find peace. Boo finds peace. He finds protection. He feels safe. He's not worried. He's not stressed out. He's relaxed in my presence. And in the same way, you and I, we should find our place. We should be comforted in the love that Christ has for us. We should find our place of resting in Christ. And when it's time to move, we move upon the word of God with complete confidence, knowing that God shall never leave us nor forsake us. And so Paul's saying, are you comforted by my love? Romans 5 and 8, God says, God demonstrated his love in this, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does that comfort you? Does John 3.16 that says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal everlasting life. Does that verse bring you comfort today? Hallelujah. 1 John 4 9, John said, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So if we are comforted 
then we all should be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Next Monday, after next Sunday, I, I begin my survival trip. And I'm going out this time the longest I've ever went. I'm going to go out for five days and four nights solo. And I'm talking about I go deep down in the middle of nowhere. And when the night crew comes on about 6.30 or 7, things get a little intense when you're alone. But in my mind, I know that I'm never alone. I'm comforted not only knowing that my family, my friends, the congregation are praying for me, but I'm mainly comforted that I know that the God that I serve will not allow anything to happen to me. He will put his hedge of protection around me. He will feed me because he is Jehovah Jireh. He is my protector. All I have and all I need is in the word of God and my faith in what I can't even see. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. But Paul shifts gears. He said, if, if you have any, everybody say any. If you have any fellowship with the Spirit. Do you have any fellowship with the Spirit of God? Do you know that most people across America today do not even believe in the Holy Spirit of God? Did you know that majority of the people think that the Holy Spirit was just a dove? He was much more than a dove. He is part of the Trinity, the Godhead. In fact, my Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're saying, well, Pastor, I thought we are talking about the Holy Spirit. I am. Because you cannot separate the three. Jesus even tells us in the book of John, I believe it is. Let me look on my text here. Yeah, John 14, verse 16 through 18. And, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because he, it, is neither, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you alone as orphans. I will come to you. Are you comforted by the love of God? Do you have fellowship with the Spirit of God? If there's any. When you pray to God, do you pray in the flesh? Or do you pray in the Spirit? Whoa, wait a minute. There's a difference. In other words, are you just coming before God with your grocery list? My wants. I want this. I need this. Have you ever cried out to God in the spirit when you didn't even have a word to say, but your heart was crying out, and all you could do is just say, hmm, Oh, come on, Amen. Have you ever been down where there weren't even words coming out of your mouth, but you knew that you were in fellowship with the Spirit? You're crying out from the bottom of your heart. The Holy Spirit is praying through you. You may not believe in the Holy Spirit, but the gifts of God are real and genuine. You say, well, I don't speak in tongues. Well, let me tell you something. If you ever said, mm, you just spoke in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Because you may not can interpret what I'm saying up here, but if I go, oh, Lord, have mercy. Everyone said, I can relate to that. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep 
on praying for all the Lord's people. Jude 1 and 20. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. When you think that the job is not coming, you close your eyes and say, Mmm, Lord, oh, I don't know what to pray, but God knows what your heart desires. And he says, I will give you the desires of your Galatians 4 and 6, because you are his son, God sent his spirit into his spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Years, years and years, I, I, I thought about Jesus when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. I thought he said, Abba, Father. He does, but he doesn't. What he says is this, Abba, Father, there's a space there. In other words, he's reaching out from the bottom of his heart to his daddy. Daddy. When, When a child cries out to their father, the father will always turn an ear to that child who is going through something, struggling. They, Your friends, I mean your children, they call to you, say, I I need a little help financially. You don't say, "Mm, I don't hear nothing. You start trying to figure ways that I can help my my children out because we are good people because we bear the name of Christ. We, We want to be in his will. Here's the back of what I was talking about that's praying in the spirit, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul says, in the same way, The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans. Everybody say, with groans. With groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. You know, Bob's been going through all these storms with his heart. And, and, and God has allowed him to get to that place. You can get low, but when you get below low, and God will get hold of you by, by a supernatural way, when you get so low, you can't do nothing but look up. You may not have words to pray, but you just say, oh, Lord, he's got the whole message right there. And I promise you, When you find yourself face to face with death, you're going to cry out and you're going to groan and you're going to moan. Even Hezekiah, the man of God, God said, put your house in order. You will die. Hezekiah put his face against the wall of God and he cried out to God saying, Lord, remember me. Remember the faithfulness that I've shown the people. And God says, send the prophet of God. I'm going to add 15 years to his life. Crying out for no one to see him. Just put his face against the wall. But we come to the last part. Can I finish this? God is saying, do you have any tenderness or any compassion? When Jesus tells us that we shall know them by their fruits, it's these two attributes that stick out to me. Because when you find individuals who are not tender or compassionate about God or people, then you're finding someone who is very harsh in the way they handle others. I don't know if you've ever had a harsh boss. But people can be very harsh in the way they treat you. They have no tenderness. They have no compassion. They could care less if your back hurts, if your head hurts, if you're going through. They could care less because they have no compassion, no tenderness. And those are individuals that are hard to work for. And it reminds me of how the Egyptians treated the Hebrew people for over 400 years. They were mistreated. 
And they cried out to God. But the Bible tells us in Exodus 1.14, they made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. In other words, they worked them till their tongue hung out. Proverbs 15 and 1, God says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Guilty. Guilty. I know you said a Christian saying, you're never harsh to me. Maybe not to you. But I don't measure my life to the world. Because to the world, I'm like a king to my wife. But according to the standards of God's word, I got to step up my game. So I'm always trying to do things to, to serve her as Christ would serve the church, to love her as Christ would love the church. I'm always trying to push myself to a new limit. And if you're not married, that, that's the kind of husband that you should desire, a man that would love you as Christ would love the church. If you're not married and you're thinking about getting married, you need to consider the cost. The cost of treating your wife as Christ would treat the church willing to die for her. I'd rather go hungry. I'd rather go days without eating just to buy you something for your birthday. Come on, Amen. That's love. And men will do that when they want to be sacrificial. If you have any compassion, any tenderness, I got to looking at the word compassion this week, and I said, well, what is the opposite of the word compassion? What was that, Bob? Ugly. That's good. Anybody else? What is the opposite of compassion? I I didn't know. And I was surprised what I found. I found one word, which sounds like two, but, but it's actually one word. It's the word heartless. Oh, my gosh. Heartless. Heartless. In other words, you could care less about people around you dying with COVID. Does it affect you when you hear about somebody? This week we heard about a a teacher over in Wiley had four children, right? I think it's four children in his 40s, gone. In his 50s, now gone. My friend up in Houston died for no reason at all. And my heart was torn knowing I've had two concerts with this guy. He was the sweetest man that I've ever been around. I mean, just compassionate, loving, and kind. And here he is up there fighting for his life. And the sad thing is most people can't even go in the hospital to see their loved ones. And so I'm always looking for the tenderness in my heart and the compassion. Because God is saying, if you have any, any of these, then be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. You remember the story of Samson, the strong guy? Had this girl named Delilah. She could care less about him. She had a price. Sold him out. Found out his secret was in his hair and had cut it off. And then, then he is handed over to the Philistines. The, the Philistines is a picture of the, of the evil spirits that we're dealing with on a daily basis. The devil's crew. And she turns them over for a price. And the Bible says in Judges 16, 20, 21, that the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him to bronze shekels, and they set him to grinding grain in the prison. And so here is one of the judges of Israel stripped down to nothing. And he's just like a lot of people right now, going round 
and round and round all day. Do you ever feel like you're just going in circles? And you just feel like that the enemy has stripped you down to nothing? Sometimes you even feel sort of blinded to the things. You're just like, I just, just going in circles. And here is the judge of Israel chained and bound. But you see, the grace of God will grow your strength. His hair began to grow back. And he stood between two great pillars that held everything up. And he said, God, if you would just give me the strength one more time. And the Bible said that he destroyed more Philistines with one push than he did his entire life. And he was the man who killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. But he killed more with just one blow where God gave him the strength and he took his arms and he pressed the pillars and, the, and everything was held together and it all came down. But God's saying, if you have any, any encouragement, any love, any comfort, he said, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, like being one in spirit and in purpose. James says, suppose a brother is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? I think he goes on to say, faith without works is Here's where I close. Luke 10, 30 through 36. Jesus said a man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by the robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And here's the religious people. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place he saw him, he passed on the other side. But when a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? God is saying, listen, if you have any, if you love me just this much, if, if my word or, or my sacrifice just moves you just this much, then you have enough to accomplish my will because it only takes this much, just the size of a mustard seed to move the mountain into the sea. But all God is looking for is that one individual say, God, I don't have much, but what I do have, I'm giving it to you. Think about the woman who came and gave two small copper coins. She dropped in the plate, and all the rich people are giving out of their wealth but she, out of her poverty, gave all she had. And it was that woman that Christ was talking about and still talking about today, still bragging on her faith because she had something to give. May not been much, but it was enough. You ask yourself right now, do I have any? Let's all stand. Do I have anything to give God? He's given you everything. He's given you life and that more abundantly. He's given you his son. He's given you a place to worship. He's given you life. He's given you breath in your lungs right now. You're not on no breathing machine. Right now you're healthy. You feel pretty good, pretty decent. But God is still asking. And he's going to continue to ask us until we answer correctly. That's a, good, that's a good teacher right there. He keeps giving you the test until you finally pass it. I had some good, graceful teachers going through high school and stuff. They knew I was not very smart, but they would always say, well, come up here to my desk, 
And they said, well, don't this look more like the right answer? <laughs> Come on, amen. Have you ever been there? And you go back to your desk, and you're like looking at your friend, you're racing it. Then you come back up to her desk. I'm having trouble with this. Does this look right to you? Yes, ma'am. Was that just me? No. Because we all need grace. And God has given us that grace to accomplish his will. The Bible says this is where I close. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Kristen told me a story about Wednesday night one of the ladies shared with her with the group, and I, I loved it. Because one woman told one of our ladies, said, I, I can't come to Millwood Church. I heard him preach. He just uses way too many scriptures. I'm thinking, what? I'm guilty. But praise Lord, someone is still using the word of God. What did you come to hear? <laughs> Think about it. What do you go to church to hear? My opinions, my stories about my dog on the couch. Yeah, I throw that in there. Keeps you focused. I use just enough to keep you focused. Because every once in a while I see you dozing off. I wake up, wake up. But Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Christ. Lord, we take this scripture and we place it on one side of the scales and we sit on the other side of the scales. And right now, Lord, including myself, we have been found wanting. We are guilty because we know that we could do more for the kingdom of God. And Lord, we confess that we are selfish sometimes. Sometimes we are self-centered and self-absorbed. But we need to get our focus off ourselves and get our focus upon your vision, your dreams, because our time is short here on this earth, Lord. And I just pray your blessings over each and every one here today. If there's someone here today who needs to make a decision to come to the cross and get saved, I'm here. All you have to do is move right now. Make your way right now. I pray in the name of Christ that even next Sunday evening at that concert, one, two, maybe three individuals would get saved right there at a Christian rock concert. Lord, we just claim victory over the works of the devil. That's his holiday, but we, we come against that in the name of Christ. We're turning on the power from the pulpit, Lord. We praise you now in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. Amen. You guys have a blessed day.